and welcome back to Starts With Why. My name is Zane. And I'm Lauren. So great to see everyone back. Zane. Yeah. How are you? I'm so good, Lauren. Um, I'm feeling good. I I wish that there's a day that we learn how to properly segue our guests, but... <laughs> but it's not today. It's No, today's not the day that we learn how to do a good segue, but like our guest today, I loved her story, but what really drew my attention, Lauren, was that, as you know, what is my most favorite day in the world, Lauren? Your most favorite day in the world is today, July 27th. (laughs) No, okay, besides today, today is a great day, but I also love my... Birthday! birthday! <laughs> I love my birthday, and I've learned over the years to be less selfish. Like, I'm going to say it. I was a selfish child. I used to love my birthdays. And with age, I've learned that birthdays should be about giving back and the way that others feel around you. And that's really why I really loved this story, because our fantastic guest today has done so many things. And one of the things she did most recently was called 17 for 17. I'm not going to take away from her story because I want her to speak to it, but it really is an incredible story. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. And I should have got, I should have got the birthday prompt. Anyway, I can't, I can't imagine doing like a, a celebrate for change kind of, um, birthday when I, what, well, even now it's, we're both, I think, a little too selfish and we need to look outside of ourselves and and take a page from Jana. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. But that's what this podcast is about, learning from each other and learning from these incredible change makers. So with that being said, I am so excited to welcome Jana to the podcast. Welcome, Jana. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. We are so, so excited to have you. Um, how have you been? Tell us a little bit about you, where you're calling in from. How has everything been on your end? Yeah, so I'm calling in from Milton, Massachusetts, which is uh, right outside Boston, And, you know, I've lived here for around six years now. So I grew up in Egypt and I was actually born in the UK, but I I grew up in Egypt and I spent the formative years of my life there, um, kind of learning what it meant to be a young girl there and just having so much fun um, at an international school. And then I moved to Boston in the, the end of my fourth grade year, I believe, and from there, it's kind of been a whirlwind, um, but I've been doing a lot of learning about kind of what it means to be both an Egyptian and an American, and of course, uh, what it means to be an activist since then. So that's so cool. And I just I find it I find it really relatable because I'm someone, too, that grew up in two very different places. So I, I really love your perspective, Jana. Um, I'd love for you to tell us how this passion and you kind of spoke to it a little because you grew up in Egypt. But how did the passion for girls education and women empowerment all begin? Yeah, so I would say there were a couple of moments. So I guess the first moment was, you know, I was sitting um, I was actually in Egypt for the Egyptian Revolution in 2011. And my mother and brother, and my brother is younger than I am, so he was at the time just one years old. And my mom um, constantly commuted between Egypt and Boston for work. And so she was actually in Boston when the revolution broke out, and I was in Egypt with my father. And I ended up staying, you know, school got canceled and everything. So I ended up staying with my grandparents um, who live 
a good hour, hour and a half away from downtown Cairo, just because, you know, my family all thought it was safer for me there. And while there, I know I was being homeschooled by my grandfather and much of the days were spent watching the television and watching all these protests um, take shape right in front of me. And it was like history is going down, you know, right before I think I was seven or eight at the time. And I specifically remember watching these women protest, groups and groups of women, most of them wearing bright red hijabs um, to to celebrate, you know, their passion for Egypt. One of the Egyptian colors is red. And, you know, I was just watching these women and I remember being so inspired by them and so moved that they had this desire to see a better Egypt, the ferocity in their words, the energy behind their protests. It was just incredible to see. And so that was kind of where I think the seeds of activism and change making and women's empowerment were sown. Um, And then I think from there, I moved to the United States. Suddenly, I no longer saw these empowered Muslim women all around me. Instead, the Muslim women I saw, um, usually in the media, were victims of oppression, submissive servants, or even terrorists. And I found myself thinking, what happened to the women I once watched on TV? And it was that disconnect that I really originally wanted to bridge. And so for me, it started with just telling my story to my peers and classmates, they simply did not know what a Muslim woman was like. And here I was an ambassador. And at times it felt like all Muslim women, which certainly no one person is representative of, but I tried to share as much as possible my own story, the stories of the Muslim women I grew up surrounded by. And from there, I turned into an activist because I realized that those stories needed to be told and who else was going to tell them if it wasn't for me? That That is so cool. So you, I, I can picture you as a, a little girl watching all of these incredible women, you know, making their voice heard. And then you saying, you know what, I've got to do the same thing. Uh, I know that you also said your activism, it's taken twists and turns. So would love to hear about those twists and turns and tell us a, a little bit more about the things that you've done uh, in your community. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think my activism began, like I was saying, just by telling my story and really sharing what being a Muslim woman meant to me. And so once I realized that this was really, there was there was a gap to be filled, that the people here, especially in the United States and my immediate community, had no idea that there were Muslim women who were empowered, who were impassioned, who were driven to accomplish their dreams, just like these kids were, right? And so to bridge that gap, I ended up founding this initiative called Bentuta, which is girl in Arabic. And the idea was to amplify the voices of young Muslim women. Because, you know, while I was one vehicle, I guess, for telling their stories, really the best way to tell those stories was to hear it from the people themselves. And so I began this initiative. And then soon after, I gave a TEDx Youth Talk on changing the narrative around Muslim women. And what does that mean? And if you're not a Muslim woman yourself, you know, how can you make sure that you are amplifying the voices of Muslim women and not taking away from them? And so throughout that journey, I just had to do a lot of thinking about, am I properly representing and amplifying and lifting up the voices of the community that I aim to serve? How am I making sure that my message is connecting with the people that it's not serving, right? So everyday Americans um, in my community, how could I ensure that they understood the validity and the 
um, urgency behind this problem and my activism. And then I guess from there, I realized that, you know, the issue of women's empowerment and understanding how to empower young girls specifically who are already empowered, they just need to find that inner voice within them. That very quickly uh, made itself clear as my passion. And since then, I've done a number of initiatives around women's empowerment more generally. And so most recently, I organized um, hashtag 17 for 17 advocating for girls education a six hour virtual event to celebrate my 17th birthday with 17 speakers from actually 17 countries. So it all ended up being very 17 themed, um, but it ended up being just a wonderful event to connect with women and you know, a couple of men from around the world who are on the front lines of specifically girls education, but really operating off the belief that girls and women are our future and we need to understand um, how best to help them and benefit them especially amidst a global pandemic so that uh, years later we can look back and say you know what we did a lot of what we could could have done for women and girls and that's why we live in the society we do now and so for me it's thinking about all the potential talent and all the amazing stories and all the incredible women who we might be losing every day uh, just because the policies and the uh, resources aren't in place to help them reach their full potential. Um, first of all, I love the name Bantuta. So <laughs> cute. Oh my gosh, so cute. Um, and I love the idea. I just, you know, for someone that is from the Middle Eastern community, it doesn't exist. So when I saw it and I learned about it, I just like, it's said something so simple, but it's just upsetting that we're lacking it and something like that doesn't <laughs> exist, you know? So I love that. And then the 17 for 17 honestly blew my mind. Such a creative and amazing idea. Um, and Lauren, I found out before we started that Wadi, who we interviewed, was one of her guests. How funny. What? No yeah. way. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. starts with Y community. I know. <laughs> How funny. I love it. So uh, Jana, well done because it seemed like an incredible initiative. Um, so what was the process like? Like, I'd love for you to kind of speak to it because it's a really good way to inspire a young listener, not even a young listener, myself too, to say that, you know what, you can plan something like a virtual conference during a pandemic. So can you tell us a little bit about the process of putting it together? Definitely. So I, I, often joke with my family that it felt like I had become a wedding planner, <laughs> just, you know, handling all the logistics. I think, you know, it didn't make sense for me to Zoom a number of my friends on my birthday. I mean, that that just did not really stick out to me because I thought, you know, there are many other ways to connect. Um, and so when I was thinking about what is something meaningful that I could do, I decided that it would might be interesting to, you know, to pursue this idea of a virtual event with 17 speakers, you know, to celebrate my 17th birthday. And so from there, I literally just cold reached out to so many speakers over Instagram DM, finding their emails, LinkedIn, any sort of communication that I could possibly find. I just reached out to as many speakers as I could who I thought were interesting. So it was like, who do I want to hear from? And who do I think is a leader in the girls' education space? And from there, I was incredibly surprised by the amount of yeses I got, or, oh my gosh, yes, I'm so excited. Um, so like Wadi, 
there were young female activists from around the world who were super excited to come together for this event. Um, there was also the CEO of the Malala Fund who said, oh my gosh, I would love to be a part of this. Um, the executive director of Michelle Obama's Girls Opportunity Alliance also said yes. From there, I had to organize a lot of the logistics. And so um, there was a production team who was really kind to say, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll get on board, we'll help you do this. And so we figured out all the streaming platforms. Um, I got to stream to Dr. Alette Morabit, who's one of my biggest role models and a UN Sustainable Development Goal advocate. Uh, so she actually streamed through her Instagram. And so it was really just all these different pieces that came together literally in the two weeks right leading up to May 29th, which was the date of the event. And literally just by reaching out and asking people, you would be surprised by how many people are so excited to support young people, especially within a global pandemic. That's incredible. And I love that you just decided, you know what, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to reach out to my role models and see what happens and what, and I'm sure overwhelming response. Is there somewhere we can see it uh, It now? There is. So if you go to um, th there's a YouTube playlist, if you search hashtag 17 for 17 advocating for girls education, you can see the full playlist. Like you were saying, Lauren, it's very much reaching out and thinking about your role models. So we had the um, Egypt's Minister of International Development, who was formerly the Minister of Tourism and the first female to do so. And I was like, there's no way she's going to say yes. You know what I mean? Uh, but she ended up joining. And so it's literally like, I, I don't know how to say it enough times, but please do reach out because you never know the connections you will make. And people are so excited to hear from youth specifically and youth making a difference in the world, or at least trying to. Well, you, you're doing more than trying to. You are 100% doing so. Do you have any advice anywhere that a young person could start if they're looking to do something meaningful uh, to celebrate their birthday or even if uh, they're just looking to maybe start an initiative like you did? Yeah, so I would say really think about what do you care about? Ask yourself that question. Honestly, I would say on a daily basis, what do you care about? And from there, I think you will identify things that make you excited, that give you energy. And it's kind of like finding the why, right? And so what is your why? And from there, um, think about what could be an interesting way to display that why, to advocate for that why, to make a difference in that space. And so I think often we're really caught up in thinking about what is it going to be? What is it going to be? But it really does not matter. As long as you're advocating for something that makes you smile, you would be excited to see some sort of change, however minuscule, um, you should just go from there. So I never imagined that the 17 for 17 event would reach the audience that it did. So it ended up having around 17,000 viewers. And I definitely never, ever imagined that that would be the case. But it's just starting because the hardest thing is starting and forcing yourself to get off the ground. And from there, you'll be surprised by how much just falls into place. Hearing you speak to how excited you were when one after the other people were saying, yep, I'd be so interested in doing it. And oh my gosh, the people you got, the CEO of the Malala Fund, tech inventors, uh, such amazing guests. So well done. You pulled together something that truly is remarkable and you're always going to look back at it. And uh, Lauren and I will definitely have a movie night and we'll definitely watch it because I'd be <laughs> very interested. Uh, in honor of bringing bringing incredible young people like you on the podcast and speaking to your why. Do you have a why phrase or word that you'd like to end off the podcast with today? Yeah, so mine is very much in line with the podcast, I think. And it's actually why not. 
So that's something that my family asks each other all the time. And I believe that any good project starts with the question, why not? So to everyone listening, ask yourself, why not? Most of the time, there's very few reasons to not do something. So just go for it. Well said. And you know what? Your story is one that really does show it. Thank you for sharing your story, Jana. What you're doing is so amazing. I'm so inspired. We're we're so happy that you are on, Jana, and know that we're always here to support you. But well done. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you both again for reaching out. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.